Have you heard you can listen to your favorite gripping investigations ad-free? Good news! With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash ad-free true crime. That's amazon.com slash ad-free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. In the fall of 2014, rain and cold weather postponed the harvest in Indiana for almost two months. That's when a local farmer finds something horrific hidden in his cornfield. Oh, I was pretty shocked. I thought, this can't be what I think it is. It was devastating. She was laying face down. She had a sweatshirt tied around her neck. Emotions were really high to figure out who would do this, why they would do this. As the search for answers begins, investigators are forced to deal with an even harsher winter. It seemed like everything that we did outside, we were just freezing. But will enough evidence survive the elements to crack the case and bring a cold-blooded killer to justice? In the southwestern corner of Indiana lies the small city of Sullivan, an all-American farming community built on hard work and family values. Sullivan is in Sullivan County. It's a typical rural agricultural area. Lots of corn and bean farms. Sullivan's such a small town. You can literally drive through it and not even, like in a blink of eye, not even know. It's definitely country. Everybody knows everybody. The region's humid subtropical climate and plentiful rainfall make it the perfect place to cultivate a wide variety of crops. They experience all four seasons. It can get really hot in the summer and really cold in the winter. And Sullivan averages over 40 inches of rain a year. Usually about once a week, we'll get a good rain and that's really conducive with our soils to raising a good crop. Most Sullivan farmers aim to plant in the spring and harvest their crops by Thanksgiving, if the weather cooperates. Sometimes if you have a real wet fall, it can push harvesting back into November and even as far as December. And in the fall of 2014, that's exactly what most farmers were dealing with. Over the course of the last three months of the year, that region saw over 11 inches of rain. On top of that, it was the seventh coldest November on record in Indiana. Without any heat to evaporate all that water, you end up with these marshy, muddy conditions. It isn't until the end of December, a good two months late, that the conditions are finally ripe for harvesting. I think we dropped down to 12 or 14 degrees. When the ground freezes, that will support a combine where you can go in and harvest your crop without sinking in the mud. But as the harvest finally gets underway across Southern Indiana, no one could imagine what horrors lay in wait behind the corn stalks.
while farmers across Sullivan County set out to take advantage of the cold snap. A disturbing call comes into the local sheriff's office. The call was from a local farmer named Sean Drake, who was in his combine getting his corn out of that field at that time. He had only made a couple of rounds and was coming back around when he came upon some very bright colored clothing. I thought it was a doll, so I got out and inspected the scene and saw hair. And then the realization was that it was a body. I just freaked out. And then I called 911, and they were there within a matter of minutes because I was only three miles away from the police station. When deputies arrive, they can tell it's the body of a young woman and wonder if it could be 20-year-old Tiffany Adams, who vanished from the city of Sullivan almost two months earlier. Tiffany Renee Adams was born on June 7, 1994, and raised in Sullivan County, Indiana. Shortly after Tiffany was born, her mother Christina married a man named Bruce Adams. Bruce treated Tiffany like she was his own, and he was the only father she ever knew. Growing up, Tiffany and her friends found creative ways to make their own fun in small town Sullivan. So me and Tiffany and a group of friends, we would go to the park, you know, walk the tracks, take pictures, of course. And Tiffany loved to make people laugh. She was a class clown. She would do anything to make you laugh. If you asked her to eat a $5 bill, that girl was eating a $5 bill to make you laugh. At just nine years old, Tiffany's mother and stepfather divorced. But her mother stayed close by, living just a block away from Bruce, so Tiffany could easily walk to either house. As she matured into her teens, Tiffany filled her days with social media, like most young girls. That girl loved to post photos. She loved to take photos, that's for sure. If you needed a friend, she was always there. When Tiffany was around 15 years old, her mother remarried to a man named Brian Orr. Brian had children of his own, but he was especially close to his own son, who was 12 years older than Tiffany, named Jonas Orr. Tiffany loved the idea of having siblings and embraced her new stepfamily. After high school, Tiffany grew into a beautiful young woman. She started dating and ended up getting pregnant. Tiffany quickly realized her and her baby's father weren't meant to be. But despite being single and just 19 years old, Tiffany knew she was ready to be a mom. She talked a lot about her baby that she was expecting and was taking a lot of pictures and posting them on social media. We talked about baby names. She always had these extraordinary names. <laughs> the ones you would see and you're like, um, how do I pronounce this? <laughs> when Tiffany learned she was going to have a boy, she picked the name Brinston for her baby. And as her due date of January 1st approached, the now 20-year-old found true love with a man named Donnie Barron. He was very supportive of her having someone else's baby. 
together, the couple worked at building a fresh start. They had moved to a town about 30 miles south of Sullivan, Vincennes, Indiana. They got an apartment together. She had gotten a job there in Vincennes. She was working at a local restaurant, and Donnie had just started working at the same exact restaurant with her. She was looking forward to being a mother and starting a new chapter in her life. But then on a cold day that November, Tiffany walked out the door and vanished into thin air. Now, two months later, Sullivan County Sheriff's deputies are at a cornfield where an unidentified body of a woman has been found. I think the natural assumption was this could be Tiffany, but we can't just jump to that assumption. As a bizarre mystery begins to unfold, detectives will soon be left wondering could a strange weather pattern hold the secret to what happened to Tiffany? Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. You've got a dead body, Inspector. I may be able to help with that. This winter, all your favorite detectives are streaming on BritBox. Don't miss exclusive new seasons of Death in Paradise. There must be something we've missed. Vera. It wasn't an accident, was it, love? Father Brown. What did he look like? And more. Once you start investigating, you won't want to stop. We're done when I say we're done. Stream your favorite detectives only on BritBox. Start a free trial at BritBox.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. After harsh weather conditions delayed the harvest in Sullivan, Indiana for months, a local farmer has just discovered human remains in his cornfield. The harvest season that year, was it was particularly late due to all the rain and mud, especially the ground where she was found. Sullivan County deputies believe the body could belong to a 20-year-old expectant mother, Tiffany Adams, who's been missing since November 5th. They immediately call in investigators and the Indiana State Police for assistance.
frigid temperatures descend across the area. Sullivan County Sheriff's investigators and the Indiana State Police arrive to the cornfield. They have to race against the clock to secure as much evidence as possible before it's destroyed by the elements. Indiana weather can be extremely erratic, and it was very, very cold that day. Detectives get to work processing the scene, starting with the victim's remains. The body showed signs of advanced decomposition and was completely unrecognizable. It led me to believe that she'd been out there for a little while and that she was dressed for the conditions of the day. She wasn't dressed for harsh winter conditions. And it doesn't look like she died of natural causes. She had a sweatshirt tied in a corkscrew-type fashion, very snug around her neck, clearly evidence of foul play. Their first thought is this must be Tiffany Adams, who was eight months pregnant when she went missing. The deceased had on clothing that had been described as what Tiffany had on. And there's not that many people missing in Sullivan County. In fact, at that time period, there was nobody missing other than Tiffany Adams. It was our belief that it was Tiffany, that we were always going to do an autopsy. Although there is no purse, cell phone, or identification, detectives do find several telling clues. The corn stalks that surrounded her body were all broken and laying over the top of each other in different directions, about a five to six foot radius. So it looked like there was some kind of struggle right there where her body was found. Based on the amount of dirt caked on her boots, it appears she must have been running through mud before she died. We were unable to locate any footprints we were unable to locate any tire tracks. They had already been washed away. At that point, the amount of rainfall that we had potentially washed away what could have been critical DNA evidence. With little to no physical evidence, investigators revisit the disappearance of the 20-year-old while they await the results of an autopsy. That November, a missing persons report was filed to the Sullivan Police Department by Tiffany's stepfather, Bruce Adams. Tiffany was last seen on November the 5th by her stepfather and her boyfriend, Donnie Barron. He was under the impression that you had to wait 48 hours before you could report a person missing, which was somewhat suspicious. Sullivan investigators first asked him about the last time he saw Tiffany. Bruce said two days before, he'd gone to Vincennes where Tiffany lived with her boyfriend, Donnie Barron, and brought them back to Sullivan for a visit. That afternoon, Bruce was going to go to the grocery store, so he left Tiffany and Donnie there at his house. And while Bruce was gone, Tiffany made a statement to Donnie that she was going to go over to her mom's house. Her mother, Christina, and stepfather, Brian Orr, lived just a block away, so she could have easily walked there. It was around 11.15 a.m. when she set out on foot.
Bruce came home and then said when hours passed and Tiffany didn't return, the two got worried. Tiffany's loved ones called her cell phone repeatedly with no answer. That was strange because Tiffany never went anywhere without her phone. Then his concern turned to dread when his home phone rang around 1 p.m. He looked at the caller ID and it was Tiffany. He picked it up and he hears Tiffany screaming and hears a male's voice in the background. Finally, the phone just went dead. Bruce told the police he could swear the male voice was Tiffany's stepfather, Brian Orr. There was a history of conflict between Brian and Bruce in regards to Christina and the fact that she had previously been involved with Bruce. There was a lot of drama between the two families, and it was his original assumption that Tiffany had got into some sort of trouble at her mother's house. Bruce said he and Donnie headed over to Christina and Brian Orr's house to find out what was going on. They could see Christina and Brian in the garage. They didn't see Tiffany. And it didn't look like Brian or Christina was in any panic mode whatsoever. Bruce accused Brian of possibly doing something to Tiffany. However, Brian and Christina acted like they didn't know what he was talking about. Bruce told investigators that his daughter never returned. Bruce was calling her phone, leaving her voicemails, telling her to please call home, let somebody know what's going on. He also says that for two days, Tiffany hasn't posted anything on her social media sites. She was very active on social media, so for her not to was very suspicious. As Sullivan investigators wrapped up their interview with Bruce, they had clear suspects in their sights. Brian and Christina Orr. Could there be more to this family than meets the eye? Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. In December 2014, Sullivan County detectives are investigating a body that was hidden in an Indiana cornfield after it was harvested late due to unusual weather patterns. November 2014 featured record-breaking cold and snow in the U.S., which delayed harvest by two months in certain areas. Meanwhile, 
20-year-old Tiffany Adams, a young expecting mother eight months into her pregnancy, has vanished for two months without explanation. But detectives believe the body they just discovered is Tiffany. The clothing description was very similar. This could be Tiffany, but we didn't officially know that. And we can't just jump to that assumption. God forbid there be a missing person and an unrelated dead body in my county, but that is a real possibility. They'll have to wait for autopsy results to be sure. In the meantime, detectives look back through her missing persons case. After Bruce Adams filed a missing persons report on his stepdaughter, Sullivan PD, Sullivan County Sheriff's Office, and the Indiana State Police teamed up to find her. Tiffany had been at Bruce's house with Donnie Barron. She was going over to her mother's house, which is directly behind Bruce's house. That was the last that she was seen alive. Local law enforcement went over and talked to Brian and Christina and asked if they had seen Tiffany around. They just said they didn't know where she was and they had not seen her. As far as the oars were concerned, Bruce was the one police should be looking at. Brian and Christina immediately were under the assumption that Bruce had done something to Tiffany. Why else would Bruce be over at Brian and Christina's accusing them? With no solid evidence against either party, police decided to interview the last person to see Tiffany, her boyfriend, Donnie Barron. When Bruce left, Tiffany was alive, safe, and well with Donnie Barron. Investigators didn't know if something had happened between Tiffany and Donnie. Detectives' suspicion only grew when Donnie proved difficult to track down. Donnie did leave the area and nobody really knew where he was, which was suspicious. We really wanted to find Donnie Barron. Could he have somehow been involved in her disappearance? Cold conditions continue as Sullivan, Indiana search parties fanned out across the county. Everybody came together looking for her. I was just praying to make sure that Nothing really bad happened to her. There were also some canine units brought in to go over the area where she was last known to be. But it wasn't easy, as they contend with deteriorating weather conditions. By that Saturday, the bottom had fallen out of the temperatures. I mean, we were bundled up in coats, and we were getting in and out of our cars to stay warm. Hypothermia can set in quickly if you're not prepared. With those extreme temperatures, we knew that there's no way that an eight and a half month pregnant woman could survive outdoors in those elements. The search for Tiffany was unsuccessful and conspicuously. Some of Tiffany's loved ones are absent from the search efforts. It just wasn't a typical situation where you would have a family that was grieving, that wanted information, that was supportive of the efforts of law enforcement. Police wonder if this is some innocent family feud going on, or perhaps something more sinister. 
It was definitely something you would never expect it to happen in a small town of Sullivan. Will the weather help or hurt the investigation? It's extremely difficult when the weather is working against you. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As the investigation into missing soon-to-be mother Tiffany Adams continued in Sullivan, Indiana, Searchers found their efforts stymied by a dramatic decline in weather conditions. That November, there was a procession of cold fronts bringing air from Siberia and the North Pole. Those polar winds set record low temperatures everywhere, from the Pacific Northwest to Florida. Aside from the cold weather, investigators were also contending with a slew of potential suspects. We had to look at Bruce. We had to look at Donnie. We had to look at Brian and Christina. There was all kinds of possibilities. Finally, investigators got a hold of Tiffany's boyfriend, Donnie. He finally came back to the area and ultimately was cooperative fully with law enforcement. According to Donnie, he'd already told Bruce everything he knew about Tiffany's disappearance. He was a little hard to read. Some of his behaviors were somewhat suspicious. The simple fact that he would leave town shortly after her disappearance, that he did not participate in the ground search for Tiffany. As it turned out, Donnie didn't get along with Tiffany's stepfamily and told police to look at them. Donnie didn't want to be around the Oars, and he didn't want to be around Sullivan. So Donnie left town. As detectives wrapped up with Donnie, no one was off the hook completely. Everybody was pointing fingers at each other. And in the meantime, the clock was ticking on Tiffany's whereabouts and a recovery of evidence. With still no sign of Tiffany, investigators requested a warrant for her phone records. They were able to triangulate the pings from Tiffany's cell phone and determine that after she left her dad's house, she did in fact make it to her mother's house. But from there, it appeared she was in a moving vehicle. You can see her path of travel in a northern direction and ultimately at the location of where her body was discovered. The last ping was near Lake Sullivan at 1.26 p.m. on the day she vanished. They didn't know if she was there or her phone, but they figured either one could be in Sullivan Lake. Detectives decided to search the lake, but the weather has one more surprise in store for them. 
The temperatures at the time were exceedingly cold with wind chills close to zero. It got so cold that lake froze over. So we knew we weren't going to be able to search the water or anything like that. While detectives waited for the phone records to be processed, they decided to dig deeper into those closest to Tiffany. We interviewed her sister, we interviewed her aunts. We probably interviewed 25 to 30 people. We had no evidence at that time. Everybody's a potential suspect, anybody close to her, anybody who had recently been around her. They also questioned Tiffany's stepbrother, Jonas Orr, and his wife, Amber, who lived just a mile away. Investigators met with the couple and learned their relationship with Tiffany had its ups and downs. Tiffany had a very close relationship with Amber. At one time, she used to babysit for their child. They found that there were weeks that everybody was getting along great. And then all of a sudden, there would be some drama, some problem in the family. And they were all at each other. According to Jonas, the last time he saw Tiffany was at a store in October. There had been a disturbance between them in which the police were called. So we had an exact date and time of when Jonas was relating the last time he saw Tiffany. And his wife, Amber, also made a similar statement that she hadn't seen or talked to Tiffany since then. The couple also appeared to have a solid alibi. They said they picked up a movie from a video rental store on the day Tiffany vanished, and that they spent the rest of the day at home together. So detectives continued to branch out. Next, police reach out to the community for assistance in locating Sullivan resident, Tiffany Adams. They put out heavy media requests, asking that if anyone had seen or heard from Tiffany, that they contact local law enforcement immediately. But after two months had gone by, with still no sign of Tiffany, everyone feared the worst. It's gut-wrenching to think that she could be gone, that there's something serious wrong. That's when the Sullivan County Sheriff's Office received the call about a body in a cornfield. The following day, investigators attend the autopsy. During the autopsy, the body found in the cornfield is officially identified, and it's as police feared. Dental records, without a doubt, identify her as Tiffany Adams. Thanks to the icy climate of the previous two months, Tiffany's body is remarkably well-preserved. She had a red sweatshirt tied in a garrote around her neck. Our early belief was that she had been strangled. That was, in fact, ruled as the cause of death. 
When they examine the sweatshirt, any forensic evidence is long gone from being out in the elements. But in that knot was found corn husks tied up, wrapped up in that knot. Which shows that the knot and twist were created in the cornfield and preserved there, which told investigators that she was most likely killed where her body was found. Although the pathologist has difficulty pinpointing a time of death, she believes Tiffany was likely killed shortly after she went missing on November 5th. And sadly, Tiffany's unborn son, Brinston, had died with her. The baby was considered viable. And in the state of Indiana, if the baby is considered viable, it is two separate murder counts. Two people were killed that day, not just one suddenly staring down a double homicide. Investigators are no closer to identifying a suspect, but that's about to change. The more we learned about his story, the more we really started to focus on him as a suspect. It became crystal clear what was going on. After two months of searching through heavy rains and bitter cold in Sullivan, Indiana, police have found the strangled body of Tiffany Adams and her unborn son. Tiffany's friends and family are beyond devastated. So emotions were really high to figure out who would do this, why they would do this to a pregnant woman. Investigators are weak on evidence until Tiffany's cell phone records finally come in. When we got our report back from the FBI, it became crystal clear what was going on. They find that Tiffany's phone has sent multiple text messages around the time she disappeared. We were able to see text messages not the actual messages themselves, but we were able to see phone numbers, who she was communicating with. And it was really concerning that one of the last people that Tiffany's phone had communicated with was Jonas and Amber's phone. Jonas and Amber shared a phone. Detectives bring Jonas and Amber in for another interview. When we confronted Jonas with the cell phone records and said, your phone has been texting Tiffany, he said, not me, it must be my wife. He actually put it on Amber. So we went straight to Amber and showed her the phone records that Tiffany's phone had been texting, a phone that she and Jonas shared. She had no explanation for it. That's when Amber said she recalled a day in early November when Jonas had borrowed a friend's truck and left around 11.15 a.m. to return it. She said he texted her from a strange number to say that the truck broke down. He said that there was a couple that came upon him when he was broke down and said that they allowed him to use their cell phone to text his wife. According to Amber, 
Jonas was the one texting her, not Tiffany. When detectives go back to Jonas, he admits that it was November 5th when he borrowed the truck and it broke down. But he's saying that the phone he used to text her belonged to these strangers. It just didn't make sense. Tiffany's phone was at the location where her body was found when it was texting Jonas and Amber's phone. Jonas had originally told investigators that he and his wife had been at the movie rental store and at home the rest of the day when Tiffany went missing. We were able to subpoena their records of video purchases and rentals, and they had not been in the store. So he gave out some made-up alibi. He was telling one falsehood after another after another. That's a red flag. That's a sign that there's a problem. So they asked the Oars for their cell phone to see these texts. That phone, he claimed, was no longer working, and that he'd gotten a new phone. Investigators let the couple go for now, but decide to dig deeper into Jonas Orr and find he is no angel. He did have a history of violence, particularly towards women. If Brian, his father, had a problem with anybody, Jonas would be the guy who he would call. Jonas would be the guy to deal with those sort of issues. Investigators also uncover a shocking family secret. Tiffany had made a rape allegation against Jonas in 2013. Her mother talked her out of following through that it would cause so much turmoil within the family. But Tiffany was running around town accusing Jonas Orr of being a rapist. Jonas didn't want the reputation of a rapist. So he actually filed for a protective order against Tiffany. To investigators, it's a clear motive for Jonas to want Tiffany dead. And on January 20th, 2015, detectives bring Jonas in one last time and give him a chance to confess. Sheriff Cottom confronts Jonas and Jonas continued to deny his involvement. He became increasingly agitated. We are giving you the opportunity now to explain to us I'm not how explaining. this went down. I'm and, not and I don't want you to tell me any lies and like that. I'm not explaining because I can't tell you how everything went down. You guys are telling me I called my wife on Tiffany's phone and I know what phone I used. That's when investigators decide to arrest Jonas. So, this is an arrest warrant for two counts of murder. You're serious? That's serious, bud. Stay calm. I'm not gonna stay calm when you say I killed my sister. That's what we're gonna arrest you for, okay? At this point, you are not free to leave. Can okay. I at least say something to my wife because I get a phone call? At that time, he, he became explosive. Call you guys. Hey, hey, calm down. Calm down. Tell me to calm down when I get accused of something. Sorry, I'm switching my back. Although a purely circumstantial case, Jonas Orr is charged with the murder of Tiffany Adams and her unborn son. When you lay this all out on a map, you've got your answer. You've got your killer. As prosecutors prepare for trial, will the springtime weather help investigators find a new piece of evidence? 
It goes down as one of the most incredible things that's ever occurred in my investigative career. When 20-year-old Tiffany Adams went missing in November of 2014, investigators had no idea what a pivotal role Indiana's turbulent growing season would play in their investigation. If the weather had not been so wet and so cold, the harvest wouldn't have been delayed. It provided the uh, perfect place for him to kill her and leave her. The weather led to the perfect hiding place. But even with their setbacks, investigators ultimately uncovered phone evidence that led them to Tiffany's stepbrother, Jonas Orr. With mainly circumstantial evidence, investigators continue to look for more to help their case. And on August 27, 2015, the weather was finally on their side. After almost nine months, investigators were finally able to complete their search of Sullivan Lake. As the temperature increases through spring and summer, it can thaw frozen lakes. The sunlight heats the water under the ice and drives that internal melting process. We really wanted to find Tiffany's cell phone, if at all possible. To be honest, I thought the chances of finding that phone were, were very slim. But after just 45 minutes of searching, a dive team finds something sticking out of the muck. One of the divers came up with the phone. It, it goes down as one of the most incredible things that's ever occurred in my investigative career. We were able to extract the memory chip from the physical phone and everything was on there. In 24 hours, we had text messages from Jonas Orr sent to his wife from the location that Tiffany's body was found. He was sunk, and that blew this case wide open. As Jonas Orr's trial gets underway on June 28, 2016, prosecutors lay out their theory of what happened on the day Tiffany was killed. I believe Tiffany went over to visit her mom and found that her mom wasn't home. At that same time, Tiffany and Jonas just happened to cross paths right there in Brian Orr's yard. They believe Jonas talked Tiffany into taking a ride with him to run a few errands. I firmly believe that he had taken her out there in that rural area with hope of sexual favors and she was not a willing participant. We believe that there was an altercation that originated in the vehicle, most likely in the road, and then she attempted to flee. A eight and a half month pregnant woman to get out of a car, to run in the mud, through standing corn, she was in a panic. Moments before her death, Tiffany managed to call her stepfather, Bruce, for help. Bruce believed the voice he heard on the other end of the line to be Brian Orr. It was, in fact, 
Jonas Orr. He caught up with her. And then, finish her off, he strangled her with her own sweat jacket. Afterward, Jonas immediately got to work covering his tracks. He left her body hidden in the cornstalks and then threw her phone in the lake as he left. Then he comes up with this bogus story about breaking down and borrowing some random stranger's cell phone to contact his wife. But in the end, his plan backfired. He put himself at the crime scene, and that was pretty damning evidence. For the tight-knit farming community of Sullivan, Indiana, the verdict delivers a long-awaited sense of relief. They found him guilty on both counts of murder of Tiffany and of the unborn child. The judge sentenced him to 120 years in the Indiana Department of Corrections. Emotions were so high that day. Everybody was relieved that justice was finally served. But it's still always in the back of everybody's head that he'd done this to a pregnant woman. He'd done this to his stepsister. It's horrible. Even with Jonas behind bars, the loss of Tiffany and her baby will always be felt. Tiffany was just a beautiful soul. She was one of the best people I've met in my life. Somebody lost a daughter and a grandchild. It was a tragedy. I mean, it was, it was devastating. And while the bitterly cold winter of 2014 may have given investigators of Sullivan County some challenges, in the end, they persevered. Sometimes the weather works in our favor, just as many times it works against us. The weather plays a part in everything that we go to do every day, all of us. 